From the Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen Center for Media Evangelization in Ewing, New Jersey, welcome to Come to Me with Jim Manfredonia. Stay tuned for an hour of talk, reflections, and meditations on topics that are important to today's Catholics. And now, here is your host, Jim Manfredonia. Well, a very good day to you, my friends. Welcome once again to Come to Me. My name is Jim Manfredonia, and as always, it is a great joy for me to be here with you. As the Lord allows us this time every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. And uh, thanking the Lord for the gift of this day. I hope we all are. It's a beautiful January day. Um, and I hope you're enjoying it. This uh, the January 20th, 2021. January 20th, 2021. Well, I hope um, you'll be with me today. I'm going to share with you some of our Holy Father's general audience from earlier today. And then we did this last week. We'll go back to the Second Vatican Council documents on the apostolate of the laity, the apostolate of lay people. That's us. And whenever we think of apostolate, we think of organizations such as domestic church media, but we are all called. Yesterday we talked about discipleship, all called to do apostolic works, to be apostles. And uh, we need apostles in the world right now. We need a lot of apostles in the world right now. You know, when you stop to think about it, as I said, we run this Mother Angelica spot. When Mother Angelica spoke the words that she speaks in our spot, she says we have six billion people in the world. Well, now there are seven billion people in the world and about a billion Catholics. So that means we have a long way to go to evangelize the rest of the world, and uh, the Lord gives that task to you and me and all men and women baptized into Christ uh, to do just that. So we'll talk about that, and we'll just uh, kind of expand on that a little bit. First, we are going to pray, and as always, my brothers and sisters, I invite you to join me in praying for whatever your special needs and special intentions are. And uh, today we pray in a special way for our country, and we'll pray for the new administration. We'll also pray for our former president and his family, as uh, we see once again in the history of this uh, great country, a peaceful transition of power, and uh, pray that um, hearts and minds, whoever sits in the Oval Office, uh, that whatever administration is ruling, governing, I should say, um, that their hearts uh, and minds are always open to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Now we have a president who sits there now, who um, is a baptized Catholic, and um, we just pray that his, his faith uh, does influence his heart and, and mind in a way that governs this nation in a way that is uh, according to the teachings of Jesus Christ. You know, uh, remember when, uh, well, most of us don't remember, we were too young, but when uh, President Kennedy, who was the first Catholic president, uh, was elected, there was great fear as he was running that uh, he would be answering first to the Pope. <laughs> and, um, you know, you stop to think about that. Uh, what dictates our behavior? If, if we are practicing our faith properly, we're not answering to the Pope necessarily. We're just living according to the way that the Lord Jesus Christ taught us to live. And um, we know there are many uh, 
injustices in the world, in this country. Um, and now we're going to see a change in administration. We'll see what happens. Uh, so, well, I don't, you know, I don't like, I've had it with politics. <laughs> I've just had it with politics. Our responsibility here is to help you get to heaven. That's what we're here for. And that's our ultimate destination. And that's our ultimate citizenship. Uh, it all starts in the family, and what we're doing is uh, now praying this beautiful prayer, consecrating our families to the Holy Family of Nazareth. Every home must become like a little domestic church. And so I invite you to pray along with me here, and uh, as we consecrate each day our families to the Holy Family of Nazareth. So let's begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Lord Jesus Christ, you lived in the home of Mary and Joseph in Nazareth. There you grew in age, wisdom, and grace as you prepared to fulfill your mission as our Redeemer. We entrust our family to you. O blessed Mary, you are the mother of our Savior. At Nazareth, you cared for Jesus and nurtured him in the peace and joy of your home. We entrust our family to you. O St. Joseph, you provided a secure and loving home for Jesus and Mary and gave us a model of fatherhood while showing us the dignity of work. We entrust our family to you. Holy Family, we consecrate ourselves and our family to you. May we be completely united in a love that is lasting, faithful, and open to the gift of new life. Help us to grow in virtue, to forgive one another from our hearts, and to live in peace all our days. Keep us strong in faith, persevering in prayer, diligent in our work, and generous toward those in need. May our home, O Holy Family, truly become a domestic church where we reflect your example in our daily life. Amen. And our prayer to St. Michael, the Archangel, and also uh, to uh, our Blessed Mother, praying the beautiful ancient uh, Subtum Presidium prayer. Uh, as Holy Father asked over two and a half years ago now to pray these prayers daily to protect the church from the attacks of the devil. And we also include in that prayer now to protect our country from the attacks of the devil. And so we pray, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of the souls. Amen. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. And so we pray, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you. Pray for us. Venerable Archbishop Sheen, pray for us. Saint Pope John Paul II, pray for us. Our Lady of Good Remedy, Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. And again, my friends, I thank you for praying together and joining me in prayer and all of our family who gather here from literally around the world because uh, of all the technology that we have available to us. And I'm using some right now as I'm turning the heat down in the studio <laughs> because it's uh, <laughs> and got a little stuffy in here. That kind of makes me feel a little nappish. <laughs> so I got to turn that heat off and let it get a little cooler to wake me up. Um, 
and we have these, uh, you know, these. Every, every, there's an app for everything these days. You know, you can and I can sit here in, in and and not have to go to a thermostat. Just turn the heat down on my phone. Uh, amazing, right? There's an app for everything. And speaking of apps and apps for everything, don't forget. I hope you have and will if you haven't uh, download the um, free domestic church media mobile app. Now, weird things are happening on my. My laptop here it's, it has a mind of its own. It's scrolling <laughs> itself. Anyway, domestic church media. Go to your app store and search for domestic church media, and it's free. You can download it, and it has so much on it. Uh, you know, I used to have an app for so many different things, an app for uh, the Bible, an app for the catechism, an app for the liturgy of the hours, an app for various periodicals, newspapers, Catholic uh, news agency. Now it's all on our app. All you need is our app, and you can have access to all of that, plus all things domestic church media. So uh, you can listen live 24-7. You can watch whenever we're doing live uh, video on our YouTube channel, um, on your phone or tablet. It's all there, and uh, it's free. And and I, as I've shared with you, we've I've seen... From the statistics that um, the developers show me, uh, that we have had our app downloaded on every continent in the world except Antarctica. So we're still working on that. But every other continent, there have been downloads of our mobile app. People are listening, watching, using it for other resources. So, and especially, my friends, it's free. Not free to us. We pay a monthly fee to make it free to you. And, um, that's important. You know, we want to do that for you. Whenever, you know, we go back to the Radiothon and we think about all the wonderful, generous souls who every year during our Radiothon, our most recent one, the first week in December, uh, support us uh, through your donations. It's, it's things like that that people don't even think of, but you're enabling people around the world to download our free mobile app when you donate, you know, because we use your support for things like that. It's part of our apostolate, part of the work that we're called to do here in the world. And um, it's so important that now especially that we put everything out there. You know, so many people are using social media for all sources of information. You think about your phone, and all of us have one, mostly anyway. Well, 99.9% of us have one. And on that phone, uh, we have access to anything. You know, it used to be you'd have to go to the library and look things up or go to read. Everything is right now in the palm of our hand. And we, domestic church media, believe and have always believed and have done everything possible to, to be present on these social media because the church needs to be visible. The church needs to reach out. You know, when Jesus said, go out into the whole world and bring the good news— well, he knew we didn't, we couldn't go out there physically, necessarily all of us around the world, but we are. And right now, I'm speaking to you, and, and my voice right now is literally going around the world on all these various media that we use to get the Word of God out there. So you never know who's listening, who's, you know, it's funny, I got to tell you, my desk has been a mess for a couple of months. And every now and then, as my desk gets to a point where even I say, <laughs> I got to clean this mess up. I, I mean, I know where everything is. You know, people with messy desks will tell you that. It look, may look like a mess to you, but to me, I can tell you where everything is. 
But as I was cleaning up my desk today, and I have a, I had a, a stack of um, correspondence from you, our listeners and viewers, over the past few months, who were in there sending in their donations, would write a little note, and I keep them in a separate pile because we like to, you know, eventually document all that. And so I was, as I was cleaning up my desk, and I had went to that particular pile of, of correspondences that you sent to us, so many of you, and I'm reading through these beautiful little notes from you uh, telling us what this apostolate, and I have to say, what God has done through this apostolate in you and for you in your life. And it just, it always just lifts my heart because it puts back into perspective why we do what we do. You know, I'm here in this building, this beautiful facility, uh, in the studio here, in the building, and we, of course we have the chapel where the Blessed Sacrament is reserved and the tabernacle, so Jesus is here. And for the most part, I'm here by myself every day. Uh, Cheryl will come in and do some things for us because she does the Friday program. We have, uh, you know, our engineer comes in once a week with his crew and uh, every now and then a visitor, not often. But I'm here by myself, and I do what I have to do. There's a lot of work to be done every day, you know, and getting things ready to get all this out there and keep the radio stations running and keep the media up and running. And sometimes you get so involved in the mechanics of the work that you become um, focused on that, and you tend to forget about the fruits of the work. And when I went through that pile of letters today and notes and cards, it reminded me very well just how fruitful <laughs> this apostolate is and what God is doing through it. Again, through no merit of my own or our own, we are just the instruments. But so many people, and I'm finding too, my friends, now I believe with all the political stuff now pretty much over and everything settled into a new administration and the, the election season is over and the election has been settled and, and we're moving forward that people are saying, just like I say, okay, I've had enough of that. I'm turning off the talk shows and uh, the, the, the network news and the cable news, and I'm, I don't want to watch or listen. I'm tired of all that. And I find myself returning more, not that I completely left it because I was, I've always been, you know, because it's my job to do what I have to do here, but returning more to listening to more of our programs on a regular basis, becoming more interested in, in the feedback about them, uh, more more spiritual reading, and I'm 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 believing that so many of our listeners now are doing the same thing. They're coming back. They've been away a little bit, maybe to because they're listening to conservative talk radio or talk radio or listening to the cable news or whatever they're doing, and now they're coming back because you know what? We realize that all of that really, as important as it is uh, as a nation. Even the United States of America will one day not be here. Forgive me for saying that, but you know the world is going to end. <laughs> Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And so we know that our responsibility in here in the apostolate is to open up as much opportunity for you, our family of listeners and viewers, to enter into the, the beauty of our faith and the culture of our faith and to grow so that we can each go out, as Jesus exhorted us, into our own little part of the world 
and bring the good news. It's so important right now, especially, because people, I, I really believe that's why people are so bitter, angry, confused, um, pessimistic, is they, they, they've, they've lost a lot of their hope. <laughs> and we know that our hope is in Christ, and that's what we bring you. So that being said, um, thank you for being a part of our family and for letting us uh, bring this to you. Now, we're going to go to the Holy Father, and this is um, his general audience this morning. And, the, and, you know, with all that's been going on in the world, I think many of us, I myself, forgot uh, that this is a um, week of prayer for Christian unity. Forgive me, I, I, you know, there's just so much going on. But Holy Father, uh, in his catechesis, reminded us that unity is achieved only with the grace of God and not through our own force of will. Pope Francis taught this morning, as Christians around the world observe the week of prayer for Christian unity, uh, he reflected on this invitation to overcome discord and so reconciliation. And he reminded everyone that Jesus did not command his disciples to be united, but rather prayed that they might be. The Holy Father says this means that we are not able to achieve unity with our own strength. Unity is above all a gift, a grace to be requested through prayer. And we know in John 17, my friends, a little aside of my own here, that the night before he suffered and died, Jesus prayed for unity, that all may be one, he would pray. He prayed as Father, he said, as you and I are one. And we know that the father of division, and the father of discord, and with every intent to divide, the diabolical, that's been his game plan ever since, right? The Holy Father said our internal conflict is a reminder that the true solution comes by asking God for peace, reconciliation, and unity. We need that in our church. We need that in our world. We, we need it in our, our, our nation. You know, I was thinking about this today. There are certainly... It are great divides, if I may just go back to the politics side of it for a second. There are great divides because there's an enormous chasm between the two ideologies, I believe. There's very little common ground that I see between the two political parties and two uh, political ideologies. You'd like there to be more common ground. But right now, it seems the division, the gap has gotten wider and wider. That has keep, kept us that, that much farther apart from each other. But that, even as great as that divide is, it's no rationale, no reason, no excuse for hatred or anger or violence, or lack of charity, 
And, you know, we, we may say whatever side you're on, yeah, but you know what he said or you know what they did or you know what she said. And, and you think of our Lord and his own passion, the great lesson he taught us even while he was preaching it for three years to turn the other cheek. To well, There's certainly always need for fraternal correction, and there's always need. I don't know if you heard the homily this morning on EWTN or saw it on the this morning. I was watching the Mass, and, of course, we rebroadcast it at noon, where he was talking about anger and righteous anger. You know, we have a right to be righteously angered when we see an injustice being done, as we see the injustice, especially as we approach the 22nd of January in a couple of days, the injustice that has been done against the unborn in this country for 48 years. There's a righteous anger there. But, it, you know, the, 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 the problem there is that some people over the course of these past 48 years have taken it upon themselves to bombing of abortion clinics and shooting of abortionists. That doesn't, that's completely opposite of what you're righteously angry against. No one has the right to take anybody's life or destroy property or, or commit violence. And we see that even and have seen it in the course of 2,000 years, or I should say in the course of 1,000 years anyway, between Christians, especially over the past 500 years. In many parts of the world, think of, of Northern Ireland. Um, and Holy Father today said that we need to ask God. We pray. It's not something we can do on our own accord. We have to ask God for peace, pray for peace, pray for reconciliation, pray for unity, and start that prayer in our home. Because even politically, people are so so much divided, it's, it crea- it's created divisions even within families and, and, and homes. And it shouldn't. The Holy Father said Jesus prayed for his own, that they may all be one. That's John 17, what I just quoted for, uh, from. Uh, from. Our prayer is for unity, Pope Francis said, and is thus a humble but trusting participation in the Lord's prayer. And the Holy Father then asked us to reflect on how often we pray for Christian unity. During the time of serious hardship, this prayer is even more necessary so that unity might prevail over conflicts. Christians, he said, need to pursue the path of visible unity. Because the world will only believe in Christ if we bear witness to the love that unites us. Now, my friends, you know and I know that the Catholic Church is the one true church. That's not a um, point of division. That's a point of fact. We can go back from Pope Francis all the way to St. Peter who was given the keys to the kingdom by Christ himself 2,000 years ago. We, we, we can trace our apostolic succession all the way back to St. Peter and the apostles. That's a fact. Can't, you can't deny that. And, of course, we had the initial split 1,000 years ago between the East and the Western churches, and then about 500 years ago with the treatise by Martin Luther, and that began the denominations of so many Christian religions, Christian 
sects breaking away from the one true church. But as I've often heard said, and it's so true, that you know, we Christians, true Christians, the evangelicals, Catholics, uh, and, and most Protestants, uh, that we have so much more in common than not. <laughs> you know, uh, and as I heard uh, Cardinal Lorenzo teach one time, uh, a wonderful cardinal from Nigeria, saying even a clock that is broken gives the correct time twice a day. So there's something in every true Christian uh, um, religion. But could you imagine, I've said this, I said it to you before, and I've been thinking about this. Could you imagine if all the Christians in the world all came back (laughs) to the one true church and our church, the Catholic church, was the only Christian church in the entire world? All Christians came back. The power of prayer there, the power that we would have at our fingertips. We can still do that as Christians. We have differences. But if we're all baptized into Christ, you know, and and you've heard it said, I'm sure, many times if you listen to Catholic Answers or any one of our other uh, uh, apologetic programs, that um, if a baptism in a Christian church, uh, if if a person is baptized in another Christian denomination— using the same form and matter that the Catholic Church says that's a valid baptism. You didn't have to have been baptized by a priest. If you are baptized in another valid Christian uh, um, denomination with the same form and matter using water and, and the words, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, that's a valid baptism. You don't have to get baptized again to come into the church. I've seen things on... on uh, Facebook, you know, some of my uh, Facebook friends, former students, whatever, uh, one of them was getting baptized in a new new religion, but a Christian religion, but she was going through the baptismal ritual. I thought, well, you baptized Catholic. You already got baptized. You don't have to be baptized again. So it works the opposite as well. <laughs> Form and matter is the key. But we are all unified in that sense, being baptized into Christ. Um, Holy Father said Christians need to pursue the path of visible unity because the world will only believe in, 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 in Christ if we bear witness to that. To pray means to fight for unity. This means fighting against the discord and division which the devil uh, seeks to sow by magnifying and uh, the defects and mistakes of others in our eyes. God, however, Pope Francis said, offers another path. He takes us where we are, different sinners, and nudges us towards unity. So the Holy Father invited everyone to sow unity in your home and the workplace with the tools God has given us, prayer and love. And I'm hoping now, you know, I didn't hear the inauguration speech, but I heard this morning on the news that the theme was unity in in a sense. And I hope people become unified. You know, I hope people can begin to return to peace and, and, and unity in, in whatever way we can. We'll always have differences. There are a lot of things that, you know, uh, the current president says he's going to do that don't sit well with me, and I'm sure others. There are other Then those same things make other people very happy <laughs> that he's doing those things. We're always going to have differences. But we have to pray, as Holy Father said, pray for, 
for unity. Ask the Lord to unify us, both, first of all, beginning in our homes. You know, this whole past year has been a year that has had so much disruption of unity in so many ways, whether it be politically, medically, uh, religiously. There have been so many divisions we still hear, you know, even even now that although public masses are being uh, said, there are limits, you know, to the numbers of people and, and things are being done a little differently, perhaps. Uh, the dispensation is still in place, so, you know, people don't have to go to physically go to mass. I mean, all these things have, have been so disruptive and it's created division, even within people's own hearts. People are divided. What is the right thing to do, the wrong thing to do? What can I do? Can I do? But you see, we have to pray for prayer, for, for unity and love, as Holy Father Pope Francis said, to bring us back, whether it be politically or in the church or especially in our homes, because there's been great division there as well. Uh, so Holy Father reflected on the theme of this year's week of prayer, abide in my love and you shall bear much fruit. So let's focus on that, abide in my love and you shall bear much fruit. The root of communion and love is Christ, who makes us overcome our prejudices to see in others a brother or sister to be loved always, he said. By seeking unity, we find that Christians of other confessions are gifts from God. Let us begin to pray for them, and when, people, and when possible, with them. We will thus learn to love and appreciate them. So coming together in prayer First and foremost, calling the Lord upon us and our gatherings, because he promised we're two or more gathered in his name. He didn't say we're two or more Catholics. <laughs> we're two or more gathered in his name. I am there with you. So let's pray for that. I'll come back in a, a little bit, and we're going to go to the Second Vatican Council and continue to, our, uh, to teach about the apostolate of lay people. Stay where you are. Halt the attack on traditional marriage and ensure religious freedom for ourselves and for our grandchildren? To do this, we must convert the culture. St. Paul's Street Evangelization is a grassroots initiative that recognizes this need and takes it to the streets. If you're interested in peacefully sharing the gospel in your area, visit streetevangelization.com to learn more. I'm Cheryl. And I'm Jim. And we invite you to join us every Friday at 4 p.m. for Friday Live. Two hours of talk, music, interesting, and informative interviews. We'll also have a reflection on Sunday's Gospel, Jim Hoffman's weekend weather forecast, and you'll have a chance to call in and play one of our fun game shows like Saint of the Day or Name That Catholic Tune. It all happens right here Friday at 4 p.m. That's Friday Live, proclaiming the joy of the Gospel, communicating hope, 
on these domestic church media stations. Sixty seconds with Mother Angelica. Say, for example, a child dies at six, goes straight to heaven. Wonderful. Somebody else dies at eighty-five, goes to purgatory, and then goes to heaven. Isn't that a similar thing, huh? You say, hey, wait a minute! By golly, I got the same degree of glory as this kid. But that's what the Lord says. You see. The sinner can go to heaven, maybe not straight to heaven, they have to be purified, but the greatest sinner can go to heaven, and the most innocent child goes to heaven. There's not a high heaven and a low heaven, there is heaven. They have greater degrees or lesser degrees of holiness, but they're in heaven. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. Father Benedict Groeschel. I want to welcome you, if you're not familiar, with the wonderful world of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I think of the great faith of the immigrants from Europe, Catholic, Protestant, Orthodox, Jewish, the immigrants from Asia, and how they went on with great courage and determination. If you go visit this Ellis Island in New York City, you'll see endless pictures of faces marked by faith and courage and trust in God. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. What will America become if it makes it impossible for the Holy Spirit to work here because of untruth and self-indulgence and paganism? The leading Catholic voices are on EWTN Radio. From Falsington to Fort Monmouth. Point Pleasant to Pennington. Seagirt to Spotswood. From Yardley to Yardville. Silverdale to Seagirt. Southampton to Seaside Heights. Proclaiming the joy of the gospel on Domestic Church Catholic Radio. Welcome back, friends, on this lovely, chilly January 21st, 2021. I almost said 2020. It's January 20th, 2021. Too many 20s and 21s in there. Uh, Let's see, where where were we a year ago? I guess everything was still just threatening, right, with the virus. That really came, I guess it was in the end of January when the president... Stopped all flights from China, and then I know Cheryl and I. We were in, we were down at EWTN, and we were actually flying on March tenth. I think that was just before they shut everything down. But we were in we were in uh, Philadelphia Airport, Birmingham Airport. We went down on the I think March 9th, came back on the on the eleventh. So it was something first the second week in March we were down there. So just before everything shut down, but then oi, you know, it was. Uh, Think about Easter, Holy Week. We we postponed our radiothon, so we are a little better this year, right? At least we're we're still 
active. We're not locked up in our homes. But uh, I've got to pray that thing away, too, because that. <laughs> but, again, if, if, you, if you're not aware, and I've shared it with you a couple times, that, that Cheryl and I both had COVID, and we didn't even know we had it. You know, we had it back in the week before Thanksgiving. I woke up with, on a, that Sunday before Thanksgiving, a little bit of a, a drip in the back of my throat. It felt like a little, usually the way colds start. That's how my colds start, usually with a little drip and uh, <clears throat> a little bit of a cough and no fever. And uh, two days later, Cheryl had the same thing, but hers was accompanied by a very low-grade fever, I think 99.7 or something. But she still went because she's, you know, she's at work. She's uh, obviously exposed to a lot of people at the parish, but she went for the COVID test and it came back negative. So we thought, okay, well, it's just a cold coming on. That was the Tuesday or Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And then we spent that week, you know, again, just a little cough and, and uh, a little more tired, but not unusually tired. And then uh, the, the uh, I think it was that Saturday or Sunday, I had a stuffy nose and a runny nose. And I thought, okay, here's the cold finally. And the next day, everything was gone. And that was the end of it. And Cheryl, too, same thing, a couple days. She was so two days behind me, so I got it first, obviously. I don't know how, because, I mean, yeah, I don't see anybody. I'm all by myself, but when I do go out to the post office and very rarely to the store, I wear a mask and socially distance, so I don't know how I got it. But um, anyway, so that's that was over. And then uh, the week before Christmas, I said, you know, I'm just going to go get an antibody test because I was reading an article. Someone had similar uh symptoms, and they tested positive. So I said, I'll go get the antibody test, and came back positive. I had a positive antibody. So Cheryl went, and she came back positive antibody. So, you know, everything I've been reading is that we're immune with these antibodies uh, at least six, and now I'm saying even articles I'm reading, most recent articles, studies being done out of the UK, they're saying eight months or more, even longer. So and that's what the vaccine is supposed to do anyway, right? Put <laughs> Create antibodies in your body so, to fight off the virus. But again, we were very blessed, had very mild cases. Um, and now we are immune, although we still wear our masks and we still socially distant. We follow all the protocol. But for our own peace of mind, we know that, um, you know, although nothing is certain, I suppose, but <laughs> they do say that you're very, very unlikely to get it again. So anyway... Crazy, crazy, crazy things happening. Got to pray it away. And I do hope, I, you know, I don't like the term, we're going to have a new normal. I don't like that. I don't want a new normal. I want to go back to normal, the way, the way we live our lives. And, uh, you know, hopefully, but we got to pray. Pray hard. Pray for it. The Lord is in charge. You know, he's in control. Nothing to fear. He's, he's in control. So we let that, we rest in that, right? All right, so let's do this. Let's go to the Second Vatican Council, which is every time I go to the Second Vatican Council documents. And the, the book I have, I bought in 1992, I think. So 2030, oh my goodness, almost 30 years ago. Um, and you can see the pages are even yellow and worn because I use it a lot. And I didn't know why, I don't even know why I bought it. It's the post-conciliar documents from the Second Vatican Council. It was in the early days of my enlightenment, I want to call it that, where I was opening my eyes and heart were being opened to, of course, being a cradle Catholic, but, but that I think what the Lord was preparing me for doing what I'm doing now. So I bought this, 
and this is 30 years ago so this is this was only um uh, you know only 20 years after the Vatican Council but as i've shared with you bishop o'connell told me a while ago that with most councils, all councils actually, that it's only a, the dust settles, you know, 50 years after that people really start to understand what the Council Fathers uh, taught. So that's why this is important now, to go to the Second Vatican Council documents, actually read the documents, not what people say they said or what interpret what they said, but what they actually say, you know, in, in this. So this is a section on the apostolate of the lay people. And... This is chapter two under objectives, and it says the church's mission is concerned with the salvation of men. And of course, you know, ladies <laughs> and anybody else who gets hung up on those terms, it means everybody. Right? Although it says men here, it's not excluding women, it means everybody. So the church's mission is concerned with the salvation of men, and men win salvation through the grace of Christ and faith in him. The apostolate of the church, therefore, and of each of its members, aims primarily at announcing to the world by word and action the message of Christ and communicating it I'm sorry, communicating to it the grace of Christ. That's everybody's responsibility, my friends. That's everybody's responsibility. Used to be the old days, you know. We all remember. I met my when my parents, you know, when I was young, and my parents. We belonged to a parish, and my father was in the Holy Name Society, and my mother was in the Altar Rosary Society, or whatever other group. And it was, you know, that's when parishes were thriving. That's when parishes were second homes to most Catholic families. You remember those days? I don't know if that's happening anymore, especially now with the pandemic, but even before the pandemic in the 2000s, 90s, the 80s, it wasn't like that. But it was like that in, in the 40s and the 50s and even some of the 60s. Parish was like a second home. I think even the 70s. You know, I, I taught high school in a parish high school, St. Peter's up in New Brunswick in the mid and late 70s. And, and it was a very active parish and a very active school community. And I think even when we started our children in our parish school, and now our children, our oldest is 32, our daughter is going to turn 30 in a couple of months, two months, eee, where has the time gone? Our youngest is 28. But we, when they were in our, our parish grammar school, the class, I think we had two classes for each of the grade levels. So the schools were vibrant, the parish was vibrant. But even earlier, back into the 50s and 60s and the 40s, the parishes were like second homes. So that was just all uh, part of, of, of our culture. And because of that, there were also many, many vocations, nuns and priests. But the lay people would look at the nuns and the priests, well, you're, resp you're responsible for evangelizing. You're responsible for uh, bringing the word to people. We're here to be taught by you. But that's not been the case, even from the very beginning. And, and the Council of Fathers remind us that, yes, the church's mission is concerned with the salvation of men, and men win salvation through the grace of Christ and faith in him. The, the apostolate of the church, therefore, 
and of each of its members aims primarily at announcing to the world by word and action the message of Christ and communicating to it the grace of Christ. That's our responsibility as members of the church. The principal means of bringing this about is the ministry of the word and of sacraments. Committed in a special way to the clergy, it leaves room, however, for a highly important part for the laity. So we know only ordained priests and deacons can proclaim the word, the gospel, and uh, uh, minister with the sacraments. Of course, even the deacons are limited there, but the laity, though, the Council Fathers say, there is a, high, a highly important role for us as lay people, the part namely of helping on the cause of truth. It is in this sphere, most of all, that the lay apostolate and the pastoral ministry complete each other. Laymen have countless opportunities for exercising the apostolate of evangelization and sanctification. The very witness of a Christian life and good works done in the supernatural spirit are effective in drawing men to the faith and to God. You know, and this is why I, I believe, you know, we've seen it over the past couple of decades, few decades actually, where the culture has really repressed us from ex the expression of our faith in so many ways. You know, the division, they, and they use the separation of church and state. And they completely misconstrue what that, what that means. It didn't mean and doesn't mean don't talk about God in public. It doesn't mean, uh, you know, don't put a nativity set up on the library lawn because that's public property, taxpayer property. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean don't say Merry Christmas. <laughs> when you're in a department store checking out or whatever the silly situations are. that It's not as prevalent now as it had been. But because of that, we have been, and I love the term that John Paul would often use, we have become enculturated to believe that we're offending people with the name of Jesus Christ. We're offending people with the display of a nativity scene. We're offending people if we we uh, wear a crucifix, you know, in a, in a in a public setting, uh, all these things that people say are offensive, and this has been going on for a few decades now. I remember in the in the heat of it, and this is about twenty years ago. Uh, Father Benedict Rochelle, God rest his soul, and God bless Father Benedict. Uh, one time on one of his programs on EWTN, he was reading off a list of all the all the retail stores that were telling their employees, don't say Merry Christmas. And he was reading it. Listen, here are the stores that are saying it. Here are the stores that won't let you say it. So I will advise you to go to the stores that do allow people to say Merry Christmas. And that is, I mean, he was very, it really made him very, very upset, as it should have made us all upset. But I remember one day I was driving uh, to work, 
and I passed every day at going to the the same route that I would take to work. I would pass a um, a, a Jewish temple, and the Jewish temple uh, before Hanukkah was going to have a Hanukkah gathering or a Hanukkah celebration, and they had a big sign out front that said "Happy Hanukkah," and they had the menorah outside with the lights. And I drove by and I thought. I don't find that offensive at all. I'm not Jewish. That's their faith. God bless them. They're, they're openly expressing who they are. More power to them. But, you know, we unfortunately, sometimes as Christians, fall prey to that. And maybe I said it's not happening as much as it had in the past. But the point is that stifles our witness. Because if you think about what our Lord commanded us to go out into the world and bring the good news, and the world says, take that news and keep it locked in your house and your church. I don't want to see it. So they tell us not to do that. They tell us just the opposite of what Christ commanded us to do. Now, who are you going to listen to? Who should we be listening to? The government authorities or Jesus Christ? Now, I'm saying these things, and you know what? I'm thinking as I say them, one day they're going to come through that door and take me out of here in shackles. But praise God. I hope so. I hope so. Because <laughs> I think that's how, if, 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 if domestic church media ever, you know, goes off the air, that's going to be the reason. <laughs> they're going to come in and take me away for one reason or another. But we have these, as, as the Council Fathers say, countless opportunities, countless opportunities um, for exercising the apostolate of evangelization and sanctification, the very witness of Christian life and good works done in a supernatural spirit are effective in drawing men to the faith and to God, and that is what the Lord has said. Your light must shine so brightly before men that they can see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. That's from Matthew 5, 16. Your light must shine so brightly. Do people know you are a Christian? How brightly are our lights shining, our Christian lights, so people know we are Christian? Now, a... A great uh, um, deterrent to people in efforts. And we certainly we're all called out to be evangelists. We're all called to be missionary, and we do that with great joy and let the light of Christ shine. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth by virtue of our baptism. But the opposite of that, when people see us as fighting with each other, tearing each other down, they don't want to be a part of that. That's not an attraction. That's a deterrent. That's a, 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 a pushes people away. We are called 
to bring the light of Christ by the witness that we give, the light that shines through us in the world. And the Council Fathers wrote, This witness of life, however, is not the sole element in the apostolate. The true apostle, the true apostle, is on the lookout for occasions of announcing Christ by word, either to unbelievers to draw them towards the faith, or to the faithful to instruct them, strengthen them, incite them to a more fervent life. That's what I like to do every day with you. <laughs> and myself. You know, I came in here this morning, and the first thing I do when I come in in the morning is I go into the chapel. Even before I go anywhere else, I go right to the chapel, sit down, get uh, my uh, Liturgy of the Hours, and pray morning prayer. And I came in this morning, and I, I had a number of things on my to-do list that I had to get done. A number of things. One of them was cleaning up my desk. <laughs> a number of things. And I walked in the front door, and I came down the hallway, and I always passed the, the chapel before I passed. You know, I was on the way to my office. And I thought, well, maybe I should go first to my office and get, and I didn't, you know, and I thought, no, 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 no. This is where you belong. This is what you got to do. Go into the chapel and pray. Because that's at the heart and the foundation of, of the apostolate. That's at the heart and the foundation of any apostle is prayer so that we can then either announce Christ to unbelievers to strengthen them, uh, to help them come toward the faith, or to believers, the faithful, you know, to instruct them to, as the, I love this, the fathers say, to, to, to strengthen them, incite them to a more fervent life. And then these quotes I love from 2 Corinthians, for Christ's love urges us on. And in the hearts of all should be the apostles' words uh, finding echo from 1 Corinthians, Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. In season and out of season. Not just priests and not just deacons. Not just men and women religious. Not just uh, lay people who are in apostolate or ministry, but all baptized Catholics, woe to us if we know, do not preach the gospel in word and deed and example. But you see, as I've said, the world over the past number of years has been deflecting that. They don't want to see that. They don't want to hear that. They want to us to keep the gospel under a bushel basket. Keep that light under your bushel baskets. We don't want to see it. It doesn't belong in the public square. And that's been the problem. We, we cower. We were afraid to give witness because I don't want to offend so-and-so. I, I don't want to hurt their feelings. They're not Catholic, and they're, they're falling away, and, and maybe I shouldn't say anything. And, and, and we, we find ourselves, and that's not a true disciple or apostle. In love, we reach out, not, not in chastisement or pointing fingers or wagging fingers at someone for leaving the church or not going to church, not going to Mass, 
That's not our job. Our job is, first of all, to give witness, faithful witness, as a practicing Catholic. And to also admit that we are practicing sinners. None of us is perfect. And that's why the Lord gave us the great gift of confession. But all this beautiful faith that we live every day, we share that. And that's that's the I, I, again. I, I say, friends, this is this is why I, I for the past uh, generation now, twenty six years, I've been doing what I've been doing. The Lord has blessed me, and and I, I share with you the importance of it, the need for it, why we need an apostolate such as this that twenty four seven proclaims that joyful message. And when I read all those notes and cards and letters today as I was uh, cleaning off my desk and see these beautiful, beautiful uh, writings from you, our family of listeners and viewers, saying how much God has done in your life because we do proclaim this joy. And again, we're just the messengers. The true message comes from Christ himself. And the true joy that you feel in your heart comes from him. All right, I'll take... uh, No, I'm not taking a break. I got to (laughs) go. Oh, time flies. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow, God willing. Enjoy the rest of this beautiful January day. Thanks for being a part of my day. My name is Jim Manfredonia. God bless you and God love you. Mm-hmm.